Hey everyone, welcome back. I wanted to start off today by talking about the Miami Grand Prix. Now, you may have noticed, but I didn't actually release an episode for the Miami Grand Prix. The reason that I do this podcast is that I just really, really love talking about Formula One. I love the sport despite all of its imperfections, despite the controversy of last year. This sport is is very important to me and actually creating this show and talking about it to you all brings me a lot of joy. The reason I do it is because I find it fun and I normally can't wait to record this episode. And so with the Miami Grand Prix, none of that was there. What I mean by that is I just didn't enjoy any of it. I didn't enjoy the build up to the race the track layout necessarily, and the race itself. I thought it was extremely forgettable, apart from that late safety car. And if that safety car hadn't have been there, it would have been a very, very poor race. But the overall feeling that the Miami Grand Prix gave me was one that was very unwelcoming. It felt super exclusive, but not in the way that like Monaco does, not in a way that I would necessarily want to be there either. I do this show because it's really, really fun and Miami gave me no joy at all. So I apologize for not releasing an episode for it. Hopefully you enjoyed my episode about the Formula E race that I went to and the interviews from that. Hopefully I will go to another Formula E race this year. And if I do, then I'll make sure to release an episode for it. Now on to Barcelona. And Barcelona traditionally, or at least throughout the turbo hybrid era, has not been a very exciting track. In fact, it's one that normally has very little overtaking. And I wasn't expecting a huge amount. I, in, in all honesty, I was expecting the same amount of overtaking as there was in Miami, which again is a brand new circuit. I expected that to have more overtaking. It didn't. And wow, what a surprise I had for Barcelona. I couldn't believe how many overtakes there were in the first like 20 laps or so. If anything, I felt like that was it. I felt like all of the fast cars had made it in front of the, uh, I guess, the less fast cars and drivers, and that was going to be it. It was going to neutralize, but it kept going. So going for the most, I guess, obvious ones, um, Red Bull still looked like the fastest car. The interesting thing is they have been bringing a lot of upgrades throughout the first five races. And there have been some questions in the paddock around the funding for this. Mattia Bonotto, for one, has, has raised this, and I think it's a really interesting point. We know that there is a budget cap this year, as there was last year, 150 million euros, I believe, for the year. And whilst 150 million euros does seem to the average person like myself, like a lot of money in the world of Formula One, it's not. And especially if you're bringing continuous updates. And so there are questions as to whether or not Red Bull can, I guess, viably continue to bring these upgrades throughout the rest of the season. Hypothetically, yes, of course they can. They have the resources, they have the people, but legally, 
if they are bringing that many updates, it does spark questions as to how they're funding that level of upgrades, the amount of upgrades available. Before we talk about the actual race and Ferrari, another interesting thing that came, and I guess one of the earlier talking points of the weekend, was the Aston Martin, which showed up, I guess, in the same outfit, shall we say, as the Red Bull, the exact same side pods and the same floor as well. And it's actually hilarious how similar it is. The Aston Martin floor has a tiny little indent in the same place as the Red Bull's floor, which actually is a new floor. As I said, they brought an upgrade that didn't exist very long ago. And the messaging around the changes, the upgrades brought to the Aston Martin are a little bit confusing. For example, Mike Crack, the team principal, said, well, you know, we just used photos of the car, of the Red Bull. We just have a look. And actually, I've seen videos of Sebastian Vettel just having a look at the car. That is completely fine. You can get a photo of a car and essentially reverse engineer it back in the factory to make it work with your aerodynamics and the rest of the car that you have. Lance Stroll, on the other hand, said in an interview that they've had these plans for ages, like before the season even started. And actually they dismissed this idea in favor of the one that they first started out with. And now they are reverting back to this plan. So it's a little bit, I'd say, confusing, uh, their messaging. But let's face it, it's another carbon copy of another team. Ferrari, who have lost out to Red Bull for the last two races, particularly Max Verstappen overtaking Charles Leclerc for the win, look to be experiencing the same thing this weekend. I think uh, everyone was pretty surprised by Charles Leclerc's um, incredible pole lap, which came after uh, his first run was a disaster. He, he spun. Uh, he managed to save the car, got it back to the pits, new tires, went out and did an incredible single pole lap. And that was it. Arguably, the slight power issue that hit Red Bull prevented Max Verstappen getting that pole lap, but we know that the Red Bull has been struggling with reliability this year. That may be their downfall, and I think that's what they're most concerned about above everything else. They know that they have the fastest car, but I think they don't know if it's going to make qualifying or make the end of a race, which is a pretty extreme thing to have. Alas, Charles Leclerc started on pole, Max Verstappen was down in third, Carlos Sainz, who has, I guess, struggled throughout the first few races of this season, uh, stalled on the start. Very, very disappointing for Carlos Sainz because he wants to be up there. He knows that that Ferrari is good enough to at least take on Perez. I know that holding Max behind you is, is incredibly hard, but they should be fighting for that third place. And Sainz has had a, a hard few races. He ended up going backwards. That left Charles Leclerc out in front with chasing Red Bulls and a Mercedes, which I will talk about in a minute, until a reliability issue hit Leclerc's car. Devastating. Absolutely devastating for Ferrari. Leclerc had done everything right that weekend. He had 
done as much as he could to get that car on pole. I think he was about 15 seconds in the lead when he had his issue and it was devastating. That was an easy win for Ferrari in the bag after two Red Bull wins in a row. In the end, it was down to the two Red Bulls and I had a feeling, a slight suspicion that the Red Bull strategy would favour Max Verstappen. It makes sense if they're gunning for the world championship, but it also confused me slightly because Max has had more DNFs than Sergio Perez. But, you know, he is the reigning world champion. And so Sergio Perez was asked to relinquish the lead of the race for his teammate. I don't think that decision was very popular, but they had the freedom to choose. Now, I need to talk about the Mercedes because. They came into the weekend as if a huge weight had been lifted from their shoulders. They were so much happier. Both Hamilton and Russell looked visibly happier this weekend. And that's because they said that they finally understand what was causing the bouncing in the car down the straights. Now, it isn't fully fixed yet. They said that they still have the bouncing through the corners. And obviously there is this balance of you can easily reduce the bouncing, but then you're going to lose loads of speed. So the fact that they have come up with some sort of, I guess, solution for the bouncing on the straights, which means they're still competitive, is a massive breakthrough for that team. And you could see it on their faces. They qualified fourth and sixth and finished the race in third and fifth. Hamilton should have even gotten fourth place, but he had overheating brakes towards the end, had to lift and coast, and then had to let Carla Sainz back through. But Hamilton, fighting for fourth place, was at the beginning of the race at the back, having had a slow puncture from contact with Kevin Magnussen. Not only was he at the back, but he was also 30 seconds behind the next car. So I think that not only shows how good that Mercedes is now, that he was able to fight his way back through, but also the confidence that he now has in that car again. He said it finally feels like a racing car. We know that if Hamilton gets a decent car under him, that he can get more out of that car than anyone else. He knows how to perform above and beyond. That's why he's been so successful. And now with a car that he feels like he could probably push a little bit more than before, he was able to get up to fifth place. A really strong, positive weekend for Mercedes. George Russell, who has been incredibly consistent throughout his first races in the Mercedes, is just 35 points behind Max Verstappen, who is now leading the world championship. That is completely mind-blowing and also shows that this season is not over yet. We have, what, another 16, 17 races? After everything that's happened in the first races of this year, I think that this could go down to the wire again. I just hope that this year it's decided in a clean and fair way, unlike last year. But we could have an incredible season that potentially could have one of maybe four, maybe even five people fighting for the championship. So I'm very excited for the rest of the season. As I said at the beginning, the Barcelona race, the uh, Spanish Grand Prix, brought a lot of joy 
to me. Next up is Monaco. Now, I know that Monaco divides a lot of you. Um, I love Monaco. I think Monaco qualifying is the best qualifying of the entire year. Plus, I love how tight the circuit is. I know that overtaking is hard, but it is by far the most difficult race for the drivers of the year. It is not simple driving through those streets. And I know because I was literally walking through them and I can't tell you how narrow it is through some of those corners. It is an amazing circuit. And one of the things I love most about Monaco is that they actually race through the, the main streets, through the casino, by the marina. Like they don't palm it off to some poorer neighborhood like they did in Miami to avoid upsetting other people. They actually host it in the center and essentially shut down the entire country. And no matter how boring Monaco may be to watch, I will always appreciate that about that race. That's all for this week. Thank you very much for tuning in. 